Good morning, everyone. How are y'all? We are too. How many of you really believe that we're in the last days? Raise your hand. I do too. We've been in the last days for a long time. You know, it used to be uh, Father knows best. Today, fathers don't know nothing. That's what's being taught. Isn't that true? That's what's being taught everywhere that we go. It used to be that our children wanted to be policemen and firefighters when they grew up. Today, they can't decide whether they want to be an activist or anarchist. They just can't decide today. It used to be that the church was known for loving and helping others. Unfortunately, to my sadness and yours too, that a church has become lovers of themselves and helping themselves in a lot of ways. And so the church has begun to become in this thing that we call stuck in selfie mode. So if you will, will you turn to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. Now we're still on this scripture because we're going to stay in this last days for a little while, a few more weeks longer. But Paul begins to warn us in advance of what the church was going to look like because selfishness in the last days begins to invade the church. But we need to see ourselves correctly, especially in light of the gospel. And so today we're going to look at those those things and we're going to talk about how to get out of selfie mode. Now, Paul is suffering in prison right now. He's suffering for his faith. He's awaiting a death sentence. So he calls for his young comrade in the faith, Timothy, uh, to come and suffer with him for Christ. But he warns Timothy what the church is going to look like in the last days. Listen to this scripture. And you've heard it before, but we're going to stay here for a little while. He says, but mark this. There'll be perilous times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boastful, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, opposing what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sin and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jammer opposed Moses, so also these teachers will oppose the truth. These are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far. Because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Now, Paul was in prison. He's been in many prisons and, and many jails in his lifetime. So he's not new to this at all. But there's something in him that makes him think, you know what? I'm not going to get out of this one. So again, he calls for his friend Timothy. And he tells us in this scripture that the greatest suffering that the church will endure will not come from outside the church, but it will come from within the church. And he says in this scripture that there are going to be perilous times. There, in other words, this is perilous can mean difficult times. He's not saying it's not going to be difficult 
because of difficult events. It's going to be difficult because of evil people. Now, this word perilous is used one other time in the Bible, and it's found in Matthew 8, 28. And it's the story of the Gadarene demoniac. Y'all remember that, that story? It says that, that this particular person, that when people would come by, that this man would terrorize and attack people. It said that the attacks were actually inspired by demons. How many times do we see people today on our streets who are attacked, punched for absolutely no reason? Have y'all been seeing that? So we begin to see some of these things begin to come true. But he writes Timothy because he wants Timothy to understand what's happening. In the last days when these signs begin to appear, he's concerned that Timothy will get discouraged and perhaps fall away. And I don't know about you, but these last days are pretty discouraging. How many of y'all feel discouraged in a lot of areas of your life right now? A lot of people, just about everyone that I talk to, are really struggling in a lot of areas of their life. But he says that in these last days, there'll be many in the church who profess Christ, but they look nothing like Jesus. They look nothing like Jesus. He said that many will profess to be Christians, but many of them couldn't fog a spiritual mirror if they tried. They just couldn't. It says here that they'll have this outward appearance of religion, but they'll deny the power of it. Meaning that they'll have all the outward trappings of Christianity. You know, they'll go to church, they'll, they'll give tithes, they'll go on mission trips, they'll sing the songs, but they'll live ungodly lives. And by their actions, they'll prove many times that they've never encountered the true Christ. But I want you to, to look at some of these characteristics of people who are in the church. Because this scripture is about the church. It's not about the world. Because the world begins to invade the church. Here's what it looks like. It says, the first one, that they'll be lovers of self. And I think that one is first. Because I think that's the rest of the sewer pipe that all these other ones go through. The second one, it says that people will become lovers of money. Lovers of money. I think this one naturally follows. Because money for a lot of people is a means to the end. It's the way that we're able to fulfill all of our selfish desires. It says that they'll be boastful. That people will be in love with themselves. They'll become braggarts. They'll brag about their money. They'll brag about their accomplishments, their things. In the church, we can see that because we begin seeing people begin to brag about their spiritual experiences. You know, it's the ones that you haven't been blessed with yet to receive. You haven't even had that opportunity yet. It says they'll be arrogant. And since pride is the motivation, people will brag about all kinds of things. They'll brag about their, their status. They'll brag about their education. I think they'll even begin to brag about the certain doctrines that they believe. It says they'll be abusive. The church won't be loving and forgiving anymore. Disobedient to parents. Children who are consumed with self will become disobedient. They'll, they'll resist all types of authority, policemen and teachers and, and even God. It says that we'll become ungrateful. We'll become constantly dissatisfied, particularly when, when things don't go our way, that we'll begin to complain about everything, the music, the messages, the ministries of the church. It says that they'll be unholy, 
The reason that is that people who are consumed with self will be consumed with their sin. It says they'll be unloving. What this means is that they won't have this natural affection. Your parents will be so busy building their life, buying things, building their kingdom that they'll neglect the children. They won't teach them the things of God. They won't teach them the things of God. It says they'll become irreconcilable. You begin to see people in the church who absolutely refuse to humble themselves or they won't seek reconciliation. We'll begin to see people who will refuse to forgive others and they won't seek forgiveness when they know, when they know that they've hurt someone. It says that they'll become slanderous, meaning that they'll destroy other people with their words. They'll be talk, talking about one another. They'll be bike biting. They'll pull others down just to get ahead. It says they'll be without self-control. This is just a general lack of self-discipline. Since they're not controlled by the Holy Spirit, they'll be controlled by all of their appetites and all of their desires. Addictions will be in the church. It says they'll be brutal. I believe that means that they're going to act like wild animals. They'll do anything and everything. They'll tear one another apart just to get what they feel like they need or they deserve. Here's another one. They'll oppose whatever is good. They'll love what's hated by God and they'll hate what's loved by God. They'll support all these crazy, ungodly social ideologies and they'll run away from sound teaching. It says they'll be treacherous. That people in the church will be disloyal to one another. They'll be deceptive. They'll betray one another and they'll refuse to commit to anything unless it satisfies self. It says they'll be reckless. That they'll take dangerous risks. They'll make decisions without considering other people. They'll only consider themselves. It says they'll be conceited. Someone will be consumed with self-importance. Will be consumed with narcissism. It says it'll be loving pleasure rather than God. We see that today when the church is focused on entertainment instead of true worship. They'll plan services around getting and keeping people to give them to keep coming back. Today we call that being seeker friendly. It says that they'll have an outward appearance of religion, lots of form. Lots of form, lots of program, but no one's life is changed. And by their actions really do speak louder than their words. And that's a pretty bleak picture. You say, well, Bill, how does that happen? I think it happens when what we do is we make ourselves the center of the universe. And I'll tell you, you were never designed. I was never designed to be the center of the universe. It used to be when we would go on vacation. I'll tell you how, how old this is. We used to have a browning camera that you look down, you look through the viewfinder, and you would take pictures of beautiful mountains and sunsets. Today, when we go on vacation, we'll go to these places and we'll look at them. And the first thing we do is we'll put it in selfie mode and we'll make ourselves the center of the movie. And, and if the picture isn't good, you know what we'll do? We'll delete it and we'll do it again. 
And so the church has lost its focus. We are not the most beautiful thing on the planet. The world does not and was never intended to revolve around us. But I think sometimes we can be stuck in selfie mode and not even realize it. And so if you will, I want you to turn to Romans 2. Romans, excuse me, Romans 12, verse 2. And it says this. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what the will of God is. What is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, and today instead of our minds being renewed by the word and the spirit of God. What seems to be happening now that many people are adopting false teachers. They begin reading about false uh, leaders and people that they pick and choose. You know, the Bible doesn't speak directly about psychology. Many times you're beginning to see secular ideas being brought into the church and they're actually taught as biblical truths and they're not biblical truths at all. You know, there's an effort today. I don't know if you guys noticed. There is this effort today to get people to love themselves like I've never seen in all my life. And so it's like this. It's like I always want to know how important I am to God, how much God loves me. Instead of asking ourselves the question, how much do I really love God? You know, messages from the pulpit and popular speakers, you know, on television are focused on this, this idea of self-love, self-acceptance, and self-esteem. There's these false teachings that says, you've probably heard them, that you can't love others until you first love yourself. Have you heard that? I'm going to tell you that's not biblical and it's not true because the Bible automatically already assumes that you love yourself too much. That's our problem. We, we love ourselves way too much. Many people, I think, in this room and many churches begin and start their day with their thoughts constantly on themselves. They, they look at themselves and they say, God, what a failure I am. Or they look at themselves, oh, how great I am. Well, they really become as self-serving idols of themselves. The result is that many problems that are in the world are now in the church. Christians today, in a lot of ways, have become insecure navel-gazers. Or... They continue to, to, to look at themselves and think, listen, I am so confident. I am so awesome. God just has to love me. Why wouldn't he love me after all? Why wouldn't he love me? You say, well, how am I supposed to correctly think of myself? In Romans twelve three, listen to what this says. Here's what it says. It says, let's see. For by the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that Christ has given you. Paul writes to this church because he's telling them that something is a little bit off. People in the church are becoming arrogant. They're becoming self-exalting. And because they, they look at themselves in this very special way in the light that's always good, what normally happens to them is they, they begin to view and value others less than themselves. 
When you first read this, you think, God, am I supposed to dislike myself? That's not what this scripture is saying. That we shouldn't consider ourselves unworthy worms, but neither should we consider ourselves worthy of worship. So to consider ourselves and look at ourselves in a sober way means don't be drunk in our thinking. Don't think that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, but don't think you're that worm either. And don't be overly concerned with either perspective. So it's somewhere right in the middle. Sober thinking. Thinking of yourself the right way. Now I'll tell you this morning that even though we struggle with sin, I can struggle with sin, that our sin don't define us. It does not define you at all. That you are not the sum total of your sin. But yet, you and I, we need God's help in seeing our sin as it really is. And in the same way, we also need help seeing ourselves the way God does, the righteousness of Christ. You know, we must remember that every day as a Christian, that God is transforming us into the image of Christ. It's a a process. It's never a one and done. That we're constantly moving down the road in one day. One day we'll be finished when we meet Christ, and so will everyone else. And we need to be reminded that we need to give others the same grace that God's given us. But I don't know about you, sometimes I have difficulty seeing myself correctly. You know, Jesus told us in in the scriptures where he told us about the log and the splinter in the eye. Y'all remember that? In the Bible, it's hard to see yourself correctly because here's what I do sometimes, and maybe I'm the only one that does it. When I am a success, when I succeed at something, I am the first one to tell me I'm successful. And when I fail, I am the first one to tell me I'm a failure. But neither one of those perspectives is biblical. It's not a fair assessment of who I am or who you are. And I think that seeing ourselves from the correct vantage point is important. I think if we see ourselves correctly from the right place, that I think we're able to live faithful and fruitful lives. But the Bible, it has to be the mirror. If you really want to know the truth about you, you'll find it in the Bible. So when the Bible says that you're the crown of his creation, you should believe it. When the Bible says that you're a twisted sinner from the womb, you should believe it. When the Bible says that that you're in need of transformation, you should believe it. When the Bible says that you're in need of a Savior, you should believe it. This sober thinking helps us and prevents us from falling into the pit of self-righteousness. So how am I supposed to see myself? This last part is, is pretty neat, I think. It says, but rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And why does Paul call on us to, to look at ourselves through faith? I will tell you, and I believe that faith, since it comes from God, makes us look away from ourselves and looks to God. Instead of looking at ourselves, that we look to God. Faith by its very nature 
requires us to look away from Bill, look away from you, and look at something higher, something that's more beautiful, that's more awesome than yourself. Faith reminds us that our sense of worth comes from knowing that we're children of God. And everything that we have and everything that we're able to do is because of Christ. Most of us can't brush our teeth in the morning unless the Lord wills it. Do you understand that? So our focus has to be on ourselves. And here's the thing about faith. That faith... If we're looking at ourselves through this lens of everything that God does, it removes us from the picture altogether. And instead of us being at the center of the picture, it puts Christ at the center of the picture. I hear people say, well, I just want to be happy. I love to be happy. I think happiness really comes when we look away from ourselves and we look to Christ And when you decide that Christ is your greatest truth and your greatest treasure in life and not yourself, that you'll be the happiest. I know I am. Because when I look at me too closely, too long, I become discouraged and I can become cynical. And so, like you, I was never designed to take that place. That's only reserved for Christ. Somewhere down the road, we've got to take this focus off of ourselves. And Eric, sometimes you may not mean to. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a very good God. I'm just not. I don't always start. I start things that I don't finish. I fail at things. I can't even see myself correctly. But God sees me the right way. You know, that I'm not perfect. But I am being perfected. I'm not there yet, but I will be one day. And so if I take my eyes off myself and I take my eyes off of someone else and I look to Christ, I can find happiness. I can find my true worth. I can find my value. I can find what matters, what doesn't matter in life. When I'm not the center of the picture, I'm better off. Are y'all? I'm going to ask the praise team if if they'll come. Because sometimes I think we don't look up enough. We don't always look up enough. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you were honest with yourself this morning, would you say that there's a slight chance I've been stuck in selfie mode? Or have you looked at yourself and have you looked at other people by their accomplishments or their failures? And have you become cynical And critical of other people. I will tell you that. That if you have. And you don't want to be discouraged. To to take the focus. Off yourself.